following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information on our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. All right, church, we have been walking slowly through the book of Romans now over the past uh, couple months, really, and, and we have... Um, today we reach kind of the end of the first leg of our journey. Today we're finishing up chapter three. And, and don't worry, we're going to be picking up right where we left off in chapter four. Um, but starting next week, we're going to be stepping into the Psalms together. Um, we're coming right back though, but I believe, I hope that the next time we war- work through Romans together, we're able to in some way or form do this face to face. Um, but Romans has been so rich, uh, so timely, and today we get to kind of wrap up the third chapter, which has just been an absolutely foundational uh, chapter. And the argument that Paul has been making has been really kind of straightforward and simple. You have on the one hand that God is perfect and that his standards are perfect. And then you have on the other hand that, as Paul says, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we have these two things, and in in God's sovereign and gracious plan, he provides a way through Jesus Christ, our substitute. He provides a way to be both the just justifier of all of those who place their faith in Christ. So that's what Paul has been um, doing in this chapter, painting this picture for us of the gospel, really. And and this morning, we're going to tie up chapter 3. And and when we, as we get to the end of this chapter, we're going to see four prominent main ideas that are going to come out of this text. And our morning is going to be pretty straightforward and simple. What we are going to do together is we're going to walk through these four ideas and unpack them in order as they come out of this text. That's where we're going today. Would you pray with me? Let's pray that God would use this time. Let's pray together. God, thank you for Romans, for your life-giving word that you are using to shape us and to form us. God, thank you. This morning, would you continue to do your work? Lord, would you reveal more of who you are? And would you break us over our sin? And would you stir our affection for Christ? Thank you, God. And we pray and we stand this morning on the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. 
Well, Paul starts us off with a question uh, this morning in our text. He starts us off with a question. What becomes of our boasting? What happens to it? What happens to our boasting? And then he adds, uh, it is excluded. It is excluded. It is made, in other words, absolutely irrelevant. Um, that's what happens to it. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment to look at our first idea that comes from our text. It's the idea of our boasting. Our boasting. I want to be careful here, though, church, um, because I believe that we as Christians, followers of Jesus, should be, must be, the most boastful people on the planet. (laughs) Uh, Some of you are thinking, what? Um, We should be, we must be, the most boastful people on the planet. We're called to be, we have to be. It's just that our boast must be in the correct object. Our boast must be in the correct object. In other words, boasting in itself is not our problem. It's boasting in the wrong object, church, that is our problem. Uh, We have no grounds whatsoever to boast in ourselves. None. Uh, None. In fact, Paul just says, we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. That is who we are. We have nothing to boast in ourselves. In fact, the scripture says this in many places, but one of my favorite places is in Roman or in um, Ephesians, uh, where Paul says this in Ephesians 2, it says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one, so that no one may, may boast. See, there is no room, there is no place for your boasting in yourself. There's no room. And the more you know yourself, The more you are honest with yourself, the more that you know that that is the case, that that is absolutely the case. We, Jesus Christ has come, he has accomplished it all, and all ground for our selfish boasting has been just shattered. It can no longer be, church. Hey, come look at me. Look at how good I am. It can no longer be that. Instead, It is look at him and look at how good he is. That has to be it. But church, I want to be careful here because don't you dare take this to mean that that we should not boast. Uh, Because again, we, we must be the most boastful people on the planet. In fact, Paul is going to say this um, a little bit later in Galatians. In Galatians 6, 4, or 14, he says, But far be it for me to boast, except, except other than, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, church, I am going to boast 
but I'm not going to boast in myself. I am going to boast, but my boast is in Jesus Christ. I, in him, I will and I must boast. One of the problems that I see in the church, rampant in the church, is that too often we are quick to boast in ourselves while slow to boast in Christ. That we're quick to boast in ourselves. That we're slow to boast in Christ. Church, our boast must be in Christ. In, in our God. I, I love the way the prophet Jeremiah um, says this in Jeremiah 9. In Jeremiah 9, he says, thus says the Lord. Listen to this. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts Boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in all the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Church, our God delights in your boasting when your boast is in him. He delights in it. From, from this now, Paul is going to ask another question. So as we come back to our text in Romans, he asks this, by what kind of law? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So the first idea that we saw was our boasting. The second is our faith. Our faith. And, and this is obvious, right? It's kind of logical as we, as we think about it. The logic here is this. Because it's not about you and your works, because it's not about your goodness, your obedience, or your righteousness... Your, because it's not about you, your boast is not in you. And at the same time, because it is about him, about his righteousness, about his goodness, about his obedience, because it's about him, your boast is in him. And through all of this, we're left with this obvious question. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? This is the central question of the gospel. Do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus for in Jesus alone for your salvation? Listen, do you trust him enough to follow him? When you don't understand, do you trust him enough to follow him? Do you trust him with your very life? Church, that is faith. And Paul says here, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We hold that you 
are justified by faith apart from works of the law. You are saved, you are made right, you are declared righteous by your righteous God, by your faith and not by what you do, your works that you bring to the table. Your boast is not in you and your faith is not in you. Paul says our boast is in Christ alone because our faith is in Christ and Christ alone. Oh, now from this, Paul is going to lift our eyes up a bit from ourselves and our own justification to our God, who he is. And he's going to paint this picture of who our God is. See, we started with the idea of our boasting. Then we looked at the, the we considered the idea of our faith. And, and now Paul shifts and we are going to look at our God. Our God. Listen to this. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. I believe, church, that there is a tendency that we have, there's a tendency that runs throughout all of human history to try to reverse Genesis 2. To try to reverse Genesis 2. See, in Genesis 2, God creates man and woman in his own image. If you remember the text, it's just beautiful the Imago Dei, the image of God. God creates us in his own image. But church, ever since the fall of Genesis 3, ever since that moment, we have sought to reverse that. We have sought to reverse that. We have sought, as fallen humans, to create a God in our own image. We have sought to create him after our own image, to make him like us, to, to make him think like us, to make him revolve around us, to value what we value, to be what, about what we are about. And is that not at the very heart of this text? In a world of prejudice, in racism, in a world of us and them, in a world that would lead us to say that we are better than them. In that world, Paul just drops in here and reminds us that our God is not made in our image, that our God is not about our agendas, that he does not further our prejudices. What a reminder. So Paul says, yes, yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. 
Our God is the God of all creation and of all people. All creation and all people. And no one people, no one culture, no one tribe, no one tongue has cornered the market on God. Not one. Our God is God over all, and He is one. And because it is not about us, because it's not about our boasting and about our works, but about our faith and our faith alone, all creation now stands shoulder to shoulder now. Shoulder to shoulder, on the same level. As Paul said earlier in our chapter, there is now no, no distinction we're reminded that we stand shoulder to shoulder. Church, this is one of those mornings, I'm just gonna be honest with you, that I wish, I wish that we were around each other face to face to to come to the Lord's table uh, to take communion together. I miss it, oh, I miss it. Um, But I, I think that this morning I miss it more than ever because here's what communion does. It reminds us of something so important. See, for centuries, throughout history, the table was not an inclusive place. It was not. Whether it was the Egyptians, if you remember in in Genesis, who were unwilling to share a table with the Hebrews. Or whether it be in the New Testament, where the Jews are unwilling to share a table with the Gentiles. The table church was an exclusive place. It was an exclusive place. Yet, church, Christ shatters this, absolutely shatters this, because at the communion table, whether you are a man or a woman, whether you are black or white, rich or poor, the CEO or the the freshman in college, Republican or Democrat, whoever you are, when you come to that table, you stand shoulder to shoulder with other sinners saved by grace. There there is no upper tier. There is no lower tier. You stand as one in Christ, brother and brother, sister and sister. We stand as one because our God is one. What a reminder. I'm reminded of, again, of how all of this ends. How all of this comes to an end in the book of Revelation. See, John reminds us, he tells us, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Our God is one and therefore, church, we are one in Him. This is huge. Jew, Gentile, man, woman, rich, poor, our God is one, and therefore we are one in him. 
Our boasting is not in ourselves, but in Christ. Our faith is not in ourselves or anything or anyone else, but in Christ and Christ alone. And our God is one. God over all, and therefore, we are one in Him. We are one in Him. Last, lastly, here in our text, let's look at the final idea that we see here before this chapter crawls or comes to a close. It's the idea of our works. Our works. Uh, here in this text, Paul asks this, do we then, he asks, overthrow the law um, by this faith. He says, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. By no means. We up, on the contrary, we uphold the law, he says. So what's going on here? What on earth is this? Uh, here in this context, here in, in the Roman ancient church, Paul is confronting specifically the Jews here. He's confronting the Jews here. And the law here is a reference, um, a direct reference back to the law given to them by God. It's a reference back. This was the, uh, um, a reference to the law that set them apart as the people of, of God. But as we zoom out a little bit and as we take this in, I believe that we see what Paul is saying here, as we look at it, I believe we see that it is speaking more broadly even um, to include the things that we do, the things that we do, our works, our actions. Paul here is speaking to those things, those works that we do. And here, he is helping us understand, church, helping us understand what our relationship should be and what our understanding should be of our works. And this is so important. It, it is not about the law. We are saved um, not by the law. We're not saved because we are good. We are not saved because we are well-behaved. We are not saved because we are awesome. We are saved by faith, period. Period. So then what now? So then what now? Well, simply put, now we get to walk with Jesus. Now we get to follow him. Um, here is what I have seen. Um, I believe that we can struggle. I believe we can struggle with this on, on really one of two sides of the spectrum that we can struggle. On the one side, we can struggle to, to believe and think that there it, with some salvation by works, that thinking that we save ourselves or that we assist in saving ourselves or that we make ourselves more savable some way through what we do. And Paul just dismantles this. He just absolutely lays it bare, says it's not a salvation by works. It's, it's not, it, it is a salvation by grace through faith in his work that's it. So that's this side, right? But I believe we can also struggle on the other side of that spectrum. Um, 
And, and here I believe that Paul speaks to this and absolutely tears down the other side as well. Because on the other side, it's, it's not salvation by works at all. Over here, um, what I'll call this is a salvation that doesn't work. A salvation that does not work over on the other side of the spectrum. Because we are saved uh, by faith, not by what we do, over here the temptation is to say, well, who cares what I do or how I live? Right? Who, who cares? We create this weird compartmentalized life where we have this Jesus thing and this Sunday church thing, this, 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 this Jesus thing over here, and then over here we have the, the real life now of my job, my family, what I do. And we can compartmentalize or try to compartmentalize our lives in this weird way. And Paul here reminds us it is not a salvation by works, it is a salvation that works, that works out. It is a salvation by faith, and that faith, church, works out. Paul says we uphold the law here in our text. We uphold the law, meaning we live it out. One of my favorite quotes of all time uh, comes from a, a man named Abraham um, Cooper, who, who says this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Church, that includes you. That includes your life. Your life is his, and there is, no, there is no sacred, secular divide. It does not exist. It does not exist because our, our God is God over all, because Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Church, and those who are being saved by, who have been saved by grace, those who have been saved by grace, church, hear me, are also being sanctified by grace. For those who have been saved by grace, you are now being sanctified by grace. And the same spirit that changed that changed our heart at conversion is now at work in us. It, he is the same spirit. This is regeneration. This is regeneration. And this is what causes us not to just throw out the law, uh, not to just uh, disregard it, but this is what causes us now through the spirit to uphold it, knowing we are not saved by it. But now that now we are free, church, we are free to walk in obedience to it. This is this is huge. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Church, for those who have been saved by grace through faith, we need to hear me. The Holy Spirit, church, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead, the same spirit, scripture says, is now at work in you. 
Do you believe that? Do you truly believe that? Do you know that? Do you see that in your life? Do you see it? Because although you are you are not saved by your works, here's the reality. When he works in you, church, he works through you. And the reality is, is that he has predestined you for good works, as Ephesians says, and He who works in you works through you to bring about those good works for his glory. Which brings us right back to where we began. Right back. Because these good works, um, because these good works did not come from us, but the spirit that's at work in us, we, we are not led to boast then in ourselves. Why? Why is that? Because they did not originate in us. But all of our good works lead us to boast all the more in Christ, to boast in the Spirit, to boast in our God, who is at work in us. Church, do not let saving grace be your excuse not to walk in the daily sanctifying grace of our God. Let me say that again. Do not let saving grace, the the fact that you've been saved by grace through faith alone, don't let saving grace be your excuse to not walk in the daily sanctifying grace and power of our God. The Christian life is not just this for then and there and later faith that saves us later. No, according to scripture, you are invited into life abundantly through the work of Christ as your substitute right now. To walk with him in a real relationship in union with him right now. See, too many times I think we forget that salvation is here. Too many times I think we forget that salvation is here. Not just there and later, but salvation is here. That God has justified us forever and he is saving us from sin today. So, as we we wrap this up, our boast is not in ourselves, but in Christ alone. Our faith is not in ourselves or anything or anyone else, but in Christ and Christ alone. Our God is one and he is God of all and therefore we are one in him. And our works are not negated by our faith, but the Holy Spirit is at work in us producing fruit, producing gifts, producing power for us to walk in for the glory of our God. Let's pray together. God, you are the God of all creation. You spoke all things into existence from nothing. And you are the only God. 
We are your creation. We are created in your image and you in your grace have made the way for us to know you and to walk with you and to know your love and your mercy. And that way is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that no one comes to the Father but through him. So today, through Christ, we come to you and we ask that you forgive us of our sin, that you cleanse us, and that you set us apart and sanctify us. It is all your grace, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We trust in you. Our faith is in you and in you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.